Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Welcome to Right and Wrong. I'm Brian Rooker. I'll be your host for the show today. Alongside me, as always, is Mr. Producer over there, Juice, producing beats and uh, pulling clips. That's his deal, okay? He's doing a great job at it, too. Don't forget, anybody who hasn't done it yet, you got to spread the word for us, please. Let everybody know. You can find me on Twitter at ddruka 617 or you can hit him up over there at Juicebox1423. Let us know what you're thinking about the show, if there are any topics you want us to hit. Uh, if you hate us, you love us, or you want to debate us, whatever you want, might want to do, reach out to us, okay? We're very grateful for the people that have been following and who have taken the time to share some kind words with us. That'd be Jeannie and GA, Mary in Massachusetts, Tim and Bill in New Hampshire, Dan and Amanda down in the Carolinas, Ron in Florida, Dennis L and David Pitbull down in GA. All you guys that are listening, we appreciate the love. Spread it around. Follow us on social media. Give us a subscribe on Apple Podcasts because that's going to help. Also, we are still accepting sponsors for the show. The Come On Man segment is getting some traction. There's a couple companies that are competing for that. So if you want to get in on the bidding war for that, hit us up. Um, send us an email to rightandwrong617 at gmail.com. Or if you just want to be um, a sponsor for any part of the show, we're also accepting those. So let us know, okay? We'll get you get you in there. On today's show, we are going to talk about an anti-abortion group in D.C. that caused some uh, headlines this past week, a Boston city councilor that calls out the left in a hearing, and anti-critical race theory bills. So, without further ado, are you ready, Juice? Yeah? I'm ready. All right, let's do it then. Showtime, baby. Showtime! All right, so how many people out there have heard um, the term separation of church and state? I know I have, and um, I never really thought too much about it, but if you really stop and think about it, that's actually impossible to do. We like to pretend like like there is a complete separation, but there's just no way to actually do that. So in my mind, the separation of state actually means that we're not going to be forced to follow a state-authorized religion. But I think the way people have taken it is that religion should have zero influence on politics or in the public discussion. And that, my friends, is where we've gone completely wrong. So I get it. Like We don't want the federal government to say that Catholicism is the religion of the country, or or Judaism, or anything else, Christianity, whatever you might want to do. But let's not pretend that those 
religious beliefs, religious values, religious morals. Let's not pretend that those don't influence our politics of the day and don't influence the rules of our society that we've created here. I think the left does a fantastic job, and it might end up being a theme of today's episode, of making things a lot more complicated than they need to be. They like to muddle up the words. I mean, anybody who's listened to Kamala Harris will know that it's just uh, word salad whenever they're they're doing press conferences. So um, Jen Psaki is phenomenal at this. When she's circling back, circling around, doing all of her tap dancing, she's saying a bunch of words, throwing out a bunch of concepts to try and make it sound more complicated than it really needs to be because they're trying to avoid just looking at an issue the way we look at things on this show simply as either being right or wrong. It doesn't need to be that hard. So what is religion? When you hear people trying to find religion, you know, you hear words like faith, belief, worship, and then what are politics? Politics is, when we break it down to the simplest form, a group of people trying to make decisions as a collection. And we're talking about a big collection here when we're saying like the country of the United States. But break it, break it, break it down. I don't know if anybody else out there is as big of a fan of the show Lost as I am, but that was a group of people crashed and stranded on a desert island. And at one point, they end up having like factions of groups. And it's early when it was still really good, but some people want to go with uh, the doctor, the man of science, Jack. And other people want to follow John Locke, the man of faith. And they like to really play that contrast off of those two characters. And it's awesome because there's no way, like neither one of them are completely right by themselves. And they both have flaws with the way they think by themselves. But together is when they're doing the best, when they're in their, in their proper warehouse, when those two were getting along and working together. So that that's, you know, I guess... That's the way I'm trying to trying to say how they go hand in hand. So when we do end up in like a group in a in a in a community, we're gonna decide whether it's fifteen people, whether it's hundred and fifty people, whether it's millions of people, there's gonna be leaders that are gonna try to convince you to come to their side of thinking one way or another. And of course, religious beliefs, moral values is going to come into play with how somebody views the world. So there's just no way that we can actually remove it. How do humans know the difference between right and wrong? How do we know that? What makes us different than the animals out there um, that are just going along to survive? Why do we have something called a conscience? Why and how did we get that? Why are we different than every other animal on this planet? And that's because we were created by God. We're creating God's image by God. And, hey, you might not buy into that. If that's not your thing, I'm not here to try to tell you that, that you have to believe what I believe. But there's no denying that something separates us. Something makes us different than every other being on there. And... It's something that can't be pinpointed and broken down by a scientist, by somebody in a lab, or by 
a peer-reviewed study. It's just something inside you. It's a feeling. It's your mind. It's your heart that we follow. So I say separation of church of church and state at the beginning of this because I think the left, they play a great game out there. They're really, really, really good at manipulating words. And this is another one that they've misrepresented exactly what it might mean. So we're all, you know, vaguely, I think most people are familiar with the fact that this country was founded by people escaping um, religious religious tyranny or um, a king, you know, the king forcing his religion upon his subjects in England. So they escaped, came over here and, and wanted to practice the religion they wanted to practice. But that's not what we're talking about here when we just completely remove religion from the equation, which is what we're at now in 2022. And I get it. Like there's, there's people that come from the mindset, and I used to be one of them, of like, who am I to tell you what you can and can't do? I'm a citizen here of the United States of America. That's who I am. And that's part of living in this country and living in a community on the whole is we decide we the people decide what's accepted and what's not accepted. We pick representatives that put laws into place to decide whether something is legal or illegal. So we can't just get out of the way of an issue, say like abortion, that women that support it try to tell you, well, no uterus, no opinion, right? Or you can't, you can't have a thing. So that's the most bizarre argument I've ever heard. But how many people fall for that? And again, I used to kind of feel in this camp as well, but nobody, I don't need to be um, a homeless murderer to decide that murdering homeless people isn't good. That one just doesn't hold any weight because we do have to make judgments and rulings based on things that we might not have personal experience with or might not personally affect us specifically. Doesn't mean we can't judge what we believe to be morally right, morally wrong. Something else that's been important for me, at least, is I've gone, I feel like I've, I've come full circle almost, but my political beliefs has brought me back to the Catholic Church. And it's, it's wonderful. I wish more people held their beliefs in the face of some of this stuff in the society. So I feel like I'm like backwards with it. Like I got a strong political opinion and that influences how I live my life, how I think the conversations I, I have. And that has brought me back into wanting to find my faith and examine that again. But people who have continued to hold on to their faith, people who have strong faith and, and show up to church every week have abandoned their religious values in the face of community and political pushback. And that's the problem I see, at least in the lack of religion throughout the country or the, or the, or the, the downfall in organized religion so far of what's going on. I think it's by design. And I think the left has been doing chipping away at it for years because they know that if they can eliminate the church, if they can eliminate our moral compass, 
that we have as religious people, as a, as a religion, religious based community, then it can be replaced by the religion of the left. And that's what we're seeing going on. So if you're, you can't be a devout Catholic the way Joe Biden claims to be yet back down in the face of uh, a difficult issue like abortion because it's not popular amongst his voting base. You can't have it both ways because you're, you're, you're denying God in the face of controversy. You're afraid, like going back to what we've talked about in the past, Joe Biden and the people like him are afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue simply by acknowledging that Jesus is Jesus and, and that he is the son of God. Doesn't matter if they're going to church, if they if they're participating, if they don't believe what they're saying at church and what they're being taught, then what's the point? What's the point of of being religious? So you can't just pick and choose the things you want to support and not support, or or the part of the religion you want to buy into and the part that you don't want to buy into based on your human nature and your human needs and wants and desires. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist, right? I loved when Kaiser Soze said that. But it's so true, and it, and it comes in so many different forms, and that's one of them, okay? Religious people, good, strong, moral people that won't stand up for what's good, what's just, and what's moral in the face of a little bit of pushback. And that, my friends, is why there's no such thing as separation of church and state. All right, let's get to the stories of the day. All right, so the first story we're going to hit today uh, is one of those ones that is completely uncomfortable and anybody who's a parent is going to be disturbed by this story i'm sure i know uh me and my man over there the juice manzada were were both pretty fired up about this story just sickening and it comes from uh washington dc i don't know if you've heard about this one yet but um these two women that are strong anti-abortion advocates. They, the police showed up at one of their apartments because um, of a report that they had baby fetuses in the apartment. And as weird and disturbing as that sounds, when you kind of get the full story here, you're going to um, maybe have a little bit more sympathy for these people that, trying to do something morally just in the face of disgusting, disgusting behavior. Just bear with me on this, okay? Because it's been reported completely different. If you hear it from the mainstream media, they frame these people as just radical nut jobs. And believe me, they might be, they might be a little bit more out there than, than I might be, but their hearts are in the right place. And I refuse to look at these people as the villains of this story. And I think if you give it an honest, legitimate chance, you're going to feel the same way too. So 
they held a press conference um, a day or two after everything kind of kind of started with this case. And we're going to play a couple of the clips from the press conference. So what you're going to hear are um, the anti-abortion advocates. Um, they work for, they have their own company called PAAU. And it's, um, I, I think they consider themselves progressives against abortion. Something like that is, is what it stands for. So they're definitely um, more to the left as well, but they just happen to be completely against abortion. So uh, without further ado, here is part of the press conference that they held. Juice, ready? In the presence of a Catholic deacon, Lauren cut open the box and the red plastic bag inside. We then proceeded to unpack the remains of 110 mostly first trimester aborted children. At the bottom of the box was a clear plastic bag with five more containers, one much bigger than the remaining four. Okay, hold on, hold on right there, hold on. Just stop and think of this for a second. They have a box that's labeled medical biohazard waste, and they open it up, and there's 110 aborted, murdered, little first trimester babies. And you heard her just say that they found five more larger bags at the bottom. And I think you have an idea where this is going, but go ahead, Juice. Lauren reached into the largest bucket and removed the remains of a beautiful, intact, and nearly full-term baby boy who we named Christopher X. I think I can speak for both Lauren and I when I say this was the most devastating and soul-crushing experience of our lives. Not even years of anti-abortion advocacy could have prepared us for that moment. And it's a moment that will live on for us for all of time. Okay, hold on again. I urge you, if you're listening to this and whether you're Feel, whether you feel the way I do or you are in favor of abortion or whether you're just on the fence and you're you're kind of in the middle and not sure, I urge you to Google this story and to look up these pictures as disturbing and as horrible as they are. I looked at them and it, it's heinous. Anybody who's had a preemie, if you see one of these pictures, that's your child right there. Fully formed baby in the third trimester, and it's being discarded with bio waste material, biohazardous waste. Sickening. We continued to open the larger containers and discovered four more babies with a range of injuries, including fully intact girl we named Harriet, who had one eye open, an incision in the back of her her neck, her brain suctioned out, and her skull crushed. Two other late-term babies named Angel and Holly were severely dismembered. And the final baby, Phoenix, was whole and still inside the amniotic sac. I'm sorry to have to play that for you. But like I've said, it's important to hear exactly what happens when people do this, when, when this is sanctioned and allowed by, the, by our government. This is okay. Did you hear what she said? Suctioned out a baby's brain. Cut into it, the back of its neck. That's disturbing. 
kind of piggybacking on a uh, previous point that we made. Language counts here. It really does. Um, there's a reason why the left calls the baby a fetus. Because you relate to a baby. We all, you know, all the parents out there, we have, we've had babies of our own. I know plenty of people that have had babies born prematurely. And that, if you personalize that, that's your child. But if you think about it as a fetus, then you don't really have to worry about it as much, right? If you don't see the image of what it is, you don't really have to address it because it's out of sight, out of mind. When you hear abortion framed as reproductive rights, you need to stop and realize and stop and think that that baby has already been reproduced. It's alive. It's inside the woman's body. And as we see in the pictures from this and as you hear, those are babies getting their brain suctioned out of their head on purpose by a doctor who's supposed to do everything in their power to protect us, to keep us alive if we happen to be brought in front of one, not to harm us. It's sickening. And no one's going to be held accountable for this. These people who had the who who got the box, who had this medical waste, they're the ones who are getting in trouble for this. They're going to be in trouble for having the remains in the first place, and they're also facing federal charges for locking themselves in the lobby of a abortion clinic two years ago. So a lot of what they say in this press conference is how convenient it is that something from two years ago we all got arrested for on the day that this story, that the police are coming to get the remains of these these babies that they had in her apartment. What do you think that does for the narrative? It helps make these people look a little bit more out there, right? But why isn't the D.C. police commissioner going after the abortion clinic as well? Hey, you could say, think that these people are crazy nut job anti-abortion people and they're guilty but it doesn't mean that the doctor in the abortion clinic should be off the hook for performing a possible possibly five late-term abortions there's federal laws that prohibit the abortionist performing an abortion when the baby is partially born or when it's getting into that stage that it appears that some of these five were at. So why is there no investigation? Why did they already come out and say that there's no autopsy that's going to be performed on these babies? Because they don't want to find out. Abortion's big business in this country. And a lot of politicians benefit from it too. Even Republicans. There's plenty of Republican uh, representatives out there that like the abortion industry being what it is so that they can campaign on the quote unquote promise to attack and, and to remove abortion. So they get all this donations, all the, all this funding from anti-abortion groups 
gets them into office and they only have to appear to be fighting it. I mean, why, why really get rid of it if you're making, if you, if you're getting so much political capital built on your stance to go against it. So where's the incentive, right? It's like all these diversity and equity departments getting put on in governments and uh, in companies all over the place. What happens when they solve the lack of diversity or lack of inclusion, whatever they claim is going on? What happens to their jobs once they solve that issue? They don't exist anymore, right? So where's the incentive for them to actually solve that? Or are they incentivized to just keep it raging, keep it going on and keep the debate flowing? So both sides here are to blame for the way that that abortion is handled in this country. And we're at the point where you got to decide what side you want to back. Do you want to back the side that believes that life is precious, that even it, even inside someone's body, a human still has dignity, a baby has dignity, that we shouldn't just barbarically kill babies? Or you want to be on the side that is in favor of that? Do you want to support people being able to do that whenever they want? Do you want to support the ability for someone to go and just have a baby murdered because they haven't actually given birth to them yet? And then pretend like that's something courageous and heroic to do. Really got to start thinking about it that way. If you're going to support it and you're going to defend it, be ready to look at pictures like that. Be ready to talk about it this way. Because that's what it is. And I know I'm on the side that's right. And I know what side is wrong in this one. How about you? All right. Now let's shift gears. This one's going to be a little bit more fun than the last last thing we just talked about, okay? This uh, is one of my local stories here in the city of Boston, but it it is going back. We got uh, some footage from city council meeting on March 30th, and it had to do with the story we covered on our show uh, in a past episode about Queen Wu, Mayor Wu, Mayor Mandate's um, ordinance that she got put in place to prevent people from protesting outside of her house. Take a listen to what Councilor Frank, Frank Baker had to say to his peers on the Boston City Council in response to them getting ready to approve Mayor Wu's mandate to remove protesters from outside her house. I wish this body came around me when this was happening to me. There weren't people out in front of my house, but they were crawling all around my house all hours of the evening. They were calling my phone, calling me a scumbag, landlord scumbag. They were harassing my wife on her phone. Fireworks being shot at my house, posts being posted on my house. And this was happening um, March, April, May, June, July, August of 2020, because I took an action that was about transparency. And now, because this is happening to one person, we're going to change all the rules. And I think, we're, I think we're, we're edging in on First Amendment here. I think we're edging in on the right of free speech. Do I think that people should be out in front of the mayor's house at this point screaming at 7 in the morning? No. But it's their right to be able to do it. And because it's happening to one person now, we're going to change the rules. I just think it's totally wrong. And again, I wish... I knew the severity of what happened at my house 
The last time the same guy that drove by my house all summer long and threw firecrackers at my house all summer long, I came running out of the house and all my neighbors came out, the women with their, with their babies and everything, and they told me they were watching it happen. I didn't see it. I'm living on the second and third floor. Don't see necessarily what's happening on the, on the first floor. People were creeping all around my house. This body didn't really give that much of a care about me and my family then. My family and I, proper English, correct? But now, because it's happening to one person, and she happens to be sitting over there, now she could do certain things, like maybe have the police back up into her driveway and get out the back door and drive through them. She could do things like that, but I don't think she's, she's doing that. But this is a back and forth here. We're looking to just get people more divided, more and more divided. So I, today, will be voting no on this. Not because I think that people should be out in front of anybody's house. They were at my house. They called my house. I lived with them for six months. I just got rid of all the text messages calling me a scumbag. Just got rid of them because I don't need it in my life. But I think that this is a problem here. So when it doesn't work for us, we're going to change all the rules. At what point does it end? First Amendment. I think we're talking about it here today. So I will be voting no. Thank you. Hell yes, Councillor Baker. Great, great job. Very well said. You got to give him credit for the theatrics, too. If anybody watches the video, he says that line about the mothers in the neighborhood coming out with the babies. He even pretends to be holding a baby in his arms. He's up there. The arms are flailing. The Boston accent's coming out real strong. Maybe he was watching Christian last week on that video that we played for you about the North End. But he nailed it. I mean, we're just going to, I mean, that's the left's playbook all day. They're in favor of stuff until it happens to them, right? They don't mind what, what they say um, last year or, or what they say when Trump was in office, right? Maxine Waters, if you see anybody in his administration, get in their face. If you see him in a restaurant, get in their face. Let them know they're not welcome there. How about Chris Cuomo, that tool when he was on CNN telling everybody that, where does it say protests are supposed to be peaceful? But like Councilor Baker said there, when the shoe's on the other foot, now when the protesters are critical of the left, now we're going to change and we're going to put in rules to protect mayor mandate over there. And I love the other thing he said, too, about how the, the, her, her, uh, her driver could back up into her driveway. She's got one of these nice long driveways that kind of slants down a hill and all the protesters are standing across the street right uh, outside of her house. So they see her come make that walk down, that slow walk down. She's always on the phone with her head down, trying to ignore them, gets into her chariot with the 20 cops outside of her house and pulls away. Just like Baker said in that clip, why not have them back into your driveway? You walk out the back door, get right into the car up there where nobody is and just drive through the crowd. She wants the, the image. She wants to come out with people yelling at her like that and get her face seen. Because she has no plans of staying here long term. She's trying to go to bigger and better things. And she wants as much coverage as, as she can get. And that's what this is all about. And the division. Keeping the division going. That's what keeps her powerful. right? She wants to have the control to be able to make these mandates. To be able to make these executive decisions. They want emergency powers to remain in place. So they don't have to answer to the people like that they only have to answer to their own little circle their own little circle of trust so 
amen to Frank Baker and having the guts to stand up and, and say that in a super progressive circle of city councilors. We got another one for you, too, on here that's that's even funny. Hopefully my man's ready for the bleep button, too, because he, uh, he drops a curse in there. And I hope it was entered into the transcript as well. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, Juice, you ready for it? All right, give him this one, too. Um, I appreciate your concern, but my colleagues weren't wrapping themselves around me. They weren't calling to make sure my family was okay. When the fire was out behind my house, that was at about midnight. They were crawling all around my house, three, four, five in the morning. The calls started at 7, didn't end till midnight. Nobody gave two about me and my family. And this is very specific. The legislation comes out after it's happening to her. And by the way, she's not disengaged with the public that's standing outside. That She's still twitting around and everything else. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I love it. He's even channeling his inner Bill Belichick there with his twitting around. She's not there twitting around on the on the my book and the and the space friend and the insta insta talk. Oh, it's unbelievable. All right, all right, keep going. So at what point does she show that she's above it or more? And she's not going to be harmed there. Maybe, maybe her ears will be harmed. But the Boston police will not let her be harmed. And now, mind you, I lived through watching, watching Newberry Street get totally looted. Nobody was arrested. We're looking to arrest people here now for, for noise violations. We're going to go up with these things. and Oh, that's above 70 decibels. We better arrest that guy. The city was on fire. We didn't arrest anybody. I think we arrested the one kid that, that, that burnt the, um, the police car. That's what I saw. I saw my city that went through 20, 20 um, championship banners and, 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 and parades and everything. Not a problem. Not a problem. But yet we allowed people from outside, because I was standing on the corners. I was standing on the corners. I was watching who was creeping around my neighborhood. Pennsylvania plates, Ohio plates, Florida plates. This was a national agenda playing out here. And it was the left that brought this all here. Now that it's happening to the left, we're going to change the rules. And I think it's very specific towards one person. And I disagree with you. That's what we're having this, this, this discussion about. Because we should be able to, to disagree without everybody in this room hating me. Quite frankly, I don't care if you hate me or not. I'm here to, to, to represent my people from District 3, and I'm going to say what I have on my mind. I think it's very specific towards her. Yeah, 9 to 9, not a big, not a big deal. But I think it's wrong. I think we're encroaching on, on our, right, our right to protest. I mean, the people that were, that were, that were um, looting the stores on, on, um, on Newberry Street. Not a single person got arrested. Not a single person got arrested. What about that business person that lost all of their, all of their inventory? Did you see the video for the guy on Newberry Street with the bikes? That's in your district. What happened there? So yeah, I think it's wrong. I think we're doing this specifically because someone's in the, someone's in the office over here. Great, you won, awesome. But we're looking to change the rules here now because the left is in charge. So there you go. Tool of the left, and now it doesn't work for them, so let's change the rules. Oh, great, great, great. I want more of that from our elected officials. And that's coming from somebody who identifies as a Democrat. I mean, he's in here, he's been on the city council for years now, and the guy's a Democrat, but he nails it on the head. 
It's the left, the progressive left. And that's what's taken over our country. That's what's taken over um, our cities, our city councils, and it's radicals. He's an everyday kind of down-to-earth traditional Democrat. The people in charge, the people that are running the left, those people are radicals. And I'm glad he called them out for it. And that's their playbook. That That's what they do. You know, as soon as something, people turn on them, change the rules, right? They're those kids that you played uh, basketball with or, or street hockey with, and you stop beating them, and, and they take their ball and go home because they can't take it. So, amen, Counselor Frank Baker. Oh, that's above 70 decibels. We better arrest that guy. So as we get into this next uh, story here, Juice, I got I to tell you, congratulations, first and foremost, uh, being a resident of the great state of Georgia. Your state um, just passed some legislation banning the teaching of critical race theory in publicly funded schools. So amen to you and your state down there in uh, Georgia. So in Georgia and in South Dakota... They both just passed um, new legislation that you know prevents the public school system from indoctrinating your children into some of this radical left-wing ideology. This one happens to do with critical race theory. So before I kind of sift through and let you know what it says in their bills, why don't we hear um, Mr. Joe Rogan, everyone's favorite podcaster. Juice, you got that clip? All right. Here, take a listen to this. When uh, the whole George Floyd thing happened, one of the schools that my uh, kids were going to back in California released this email saying that it's not enough to not be racist. You now must be anti-racist. These kids are not even remotely racist. Like, they have all sorts of different kinds of friends. They, they, I've never heard them discuss it once. It's just, I like this person, and she's nice to me, and we like to play together, and we both like the same things, and let's... So, to to tell a nine-year-old that you have to be anti-racist, well, then they're going to go looking for racism, and they're going to go looking to confront it. But I don't know if it's power, it's an ideology that that captures people, and I think the roots of it, in in their mind, is good. That is, you're going to stomp out racism. But it's this naive person who's an educator who's, you know, I mean, I want to disparage anybody, but they weren't that good at what they were doing in the first place. That's right. Like They weren't that good at teaching in the first place. And now here they are saying they're going to tackle something, not not just tackle something as complex as race in America, but you are going to establish rules that you can't just be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. And you're going to teach this to a nine-year-old. It's like, well, what are you saying? Like, what exactly are you saying? What is your end goal? That is so true. And and he put it pretty good there, too, uh, when he says, even when it's coming from a good place. And I know me personally, I'd like to think that that most people are trying to do the right thing and trying to do good. I don't always agree with it, and it's hard to see that at times. But 
you can sum up a lot of the left-leaning ideology and thinking to idealism in believing that the way that they are going to achieve utopia is by performing the actions that they start advocating for. So the idea behind gender ideology stuff that's in the schools right now is because, you know, they don't want someone to feel bullied or excluded or, or feel bad, which, great, I get it, but you're overcomplicating something that's pretty simple to a bunch of people, to a bunch of children that don't have the complexity to think and to process the way we do as adults. They're trying to get to people, and the same thing here with the critical race theory stuff. They're trying to get to the kids before they've had enough time to actually even develop these feelings or thoughts or an opinion on it because they don't want you to critically think for yourself and form your own opinion. They want you to think what they think, and they want you to think it before you even have enough time to think for yourself. Pay attention to the use of words, to the use of language. Critical race theory. There's nothing critically thinking about that. You're not, you're not using critical thinking skills. They're actually removing your ability to think, right? So I told you that I was going to let you know what it says in, um, in some of these bills. Okay, so in the, in the legislation here, it has um, a whole list of divisive concepts. That's what it's talking about. So it's going to exclude any divisive concepts from being taught in the school system. All right, so these are some of the examples that it uses to um, kind of cover what they're talking about with divisive concepts. Ready for these? You're prohibited in Georgia public schools from teaching that one race is inherently superior to another race. You're prohibited from teaching in a public school in the United States of America that the United States of America is fundamentally racist. You're prohibited from teaching an individual by virtue of his or her race is inherently or consciously racist or oppressive towards individuals of other races. Wow, we're four into it and can't believe these crazy nut job uh, rednecks down there in Georgia. Wow, what are they thinking? God forbid we teach anybody that America is the greatest country in the world. God forbid we don't allow uh, uh, someone to feel oppressed just because of the race they are. Huh, what would we do? Okay, continuing on. Teachers are banned from teaching an individual's moral character is inherently determined by his or her race. Oh, that one's great to me, right? I mean, what we talk about in the opening of the show, we have a conscience and a moral character that's provided by God, right? Not provided by the God of whites or the God of Muslims or the God of blacks or the God of Jews or the God of Latin exes. It's just in all of us. It doesn't matter what race you are. The bill also says they're not allowed to, you're not allowed to teach that an individual solely by virtue of his or her race bears individual responsibility for actions committed in the past by other individuals of the same race. Amen, state of Georgia. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Nobody who's alive today should be held responsible for the actions of people 200 years ago. That's just ridiculous. 
I love it. I love what they're teaching. Uh, I love that they're putting this into law in these states. And I love that it's becoming a national story because as we've shown a few times on this show already, there's a lot of people that don't realize what's being taught in our schools. We don't realize what our kids are being taught, whether they're being taught this or not. I'm glad we have it on paper and I'm glad it says it somewhere that if you even think about trying to introduce these topics right there, we're going to prevent you from being able to do that. So thank you for being proactive, state of Georgia. South Dakota also has similar legislation that just went in. The thing I want to point out in this one is it says, for the purposes of this executive order, inherently divisive concepts means advancing any ideas in violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, including, but not limited to, any of the following. And then it lists a bunch of things like underneath there, um, you know, concepts that one, one race, color, religion, sex, ethnicity, or national origin is inherently superior to another race, color, religion, sex, ethnicity, or national origin. It also highlights... An individual, by virtue of the individual's race, color, religion, sex, ethnicity, or national origin, is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or subconsciously. So you're prevented from teaching that somebody is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether they're aware of it or not. That one I love because how many times have you heard that from the left? Oh, well, you were just inherently racist and you don't, you're not even aware of it. Or how many, how many um, white liberals from the suburbs buy into that nonsense? All right. The last thing that I'm going to hit from the South Dakota bill focuses on, um, on inherently divisive concepts, such as traits, such as a strong work ethic, are racist or sexist, or were created by a particular race or sex to oppress members of another race or sex. I love that one too. Remember the, the story from a few years back that I think there's um there's a museum in DC. I, I believe it's like National um, African American Museum or, or something like that. And there was like an exhibit that specifically said um, traits like work strong work ethic are white traits that were meant to oppress people of color in different races. <laughs> like That's just absurd. And the leftists that are going to flip out and complain about this, again, like I just mentioned, if it's in there and it's not being taught, what's the big deal then? And if you really believe that, that teaching this to children in grade school is appropriate, then you're going to need to convince me on why and how. Because... This is a feeling, it's an, it's an ideology and it's a belief. It's not a fact, it's not two plus two equals four, it's not geography that you can pinpoint, it's not scientific, it's an ideology and it's a belief. And I'm told that the public school system cannot have religion in there, because remember going back to our separation of church and state, because religion is an ideology and a belief, right? Well, so is leftism. They just haven't called it religion yet, and they don't have a they don't have a church that they go worship at. They worship at the altar of CNN and MSNBC to priest Fauci and 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 Sister Maddow. That's who they worship. <laughs>
So amen to the state of Georgia in South Dakota. And I know there's other ones that have been doing the same thing. Let's get this up here in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that's why I got to get out of Dodge. I want to come with you, Juice. I'm coming down there to the uh, Peach State, my friend. Is that what it is? I don't know. It is, right? Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the show again. Everybody's favorite segment. Like I mentioned, we're taking sponsors for it. We got a couple people that have already reached out to us, so please let us know so you don't miss out on your chance. We are going to move on to our Come On Man segment of the day. This is a great honor of mine today. We really get to get a nice Come On Man from our president-in-chief himself, Mr. Come On Man, Joe Biden. This one really just cracked me up. I don't know why he insists on these ridiculous stories of his, but he was talking about trucks the other day and something going on with the uh with like some truckers act thing they're trying to do for supply chains and this that or the other thing whatever he's trying to do but he has to go off script for a second and give you this ridiculous story uh about some time that he was jumping in and driving trucks when he was a, a young senator <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to to set it up for you but it's just ridiculous. This is uh, a lot like our corn pop story. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I set it up good enough for you. Take a listen to President Biden here. I, uh, I got a commercial license because my dad used to run an automobile agency. And I used to have to go up to the body shop up in Philadelphia from Wilmington. And when they'd order a, a trailer or a cab, I just they'd sell the cab. And so I had to have a license to be able to drive it up and back. And so during the trucker strike years later, when I was a young senator, I was a, there was a guy who uh, ran steel from Deemer Steel out to Ohio. And uh, so I decided to ride out with him to see what it was like on the strike. And I was driving, going through Shiloh, Ohio. And, uh, and we, he, he was, his handle was Big Ten. And remember, everybody, all the truck stops were being blockaded at the time during the strike. And he... Uh, he called and he said, Big Ten wanting to come in. I forget exactly how he said it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's how he said it. Big Ten to Secret Squirrel requesting permission to come in for landing. <laughs> oh, this is Big Ten. <laughs> and, the, and the only woman truck driver I ever knew I met that day, she said, this is Big Mama, no room. <laughs> Swear to God, true story. Swear to God, absolutely not a true story. I would, I would bet money that that's in his notebook of uh, ridiculous, made-up stories for uh, cocktail parties. He's got a whole, whole file full of this nonsense, and he busts it out from time to time, and it's just great for us because I think he actually thinks that this makes him relatable and likable, but he just sounds like a moron. Big Ten to Big Mama. <laughs> come on God just in, in that whole speech he was talking about how um, that they're creating more opportunities for women to be in the place there and he's talking about the, the woman that was in control back in the 70s or something who knows I mean maybe he was talking he didn't mean big mama 
He was really talking about Large Marge. What do you think, Juice? Be sure and tell him Large Marge sent you. <laughs> yep, that's right. Just tell him Large Marge sent you. That's what he heard. I don't know. Is, it Fra- is Francis stealing his bike, too? Is he going to tell us about that next? I don't know. Maybe he's been watching the uh, Austin Powers trilogy, too, and, and he's trying to channel his uh, Dr. Evil for himself so he could kind of relive this moment for us. Breaker, breaker, one, nine, this is Goldie Wang. All right. Chant four there, Goldie Wang. This is Robert Ducky. What's your chant 20, over? I've got preparation H in my rear and Schmucky the Bear in my back door. We got our convoy, over. Yeah, copy that, you some bit pal monkey nuts. Open wide there, Robert Ducky. I'm entering your mouth now, over. <laughs> yep. But that's uh, Grandpa Joe for you. Got Corn Pop, Big Mama, Big Ten, Dr. Evil, Lodge Modge, Pee Wee Herman, all the all the whole crew. They're all part of his wheelhouse. I wish I could continue on this. I really don't know what else I can say to our president except the words that he said best. Get ready, Juice. You ready, Juice? Mr. Joe Biden, President of the United States, you have earned yourself a good old-fashioned... Come on, man. And that will do it for you folks today. I had a great time today. Thank you, Juice, for producing like a champ. Uh, Let's do this same bad time, same bad channel next week. Who's with me? Don't forget, spread it around. Share with your friends all over the social media networks. Please, please, please follow us, like us. Come back next week, okay? I have nothing else to say to you folks except thanks for having me. Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.